0: Welcome. My name is George Mann, and I'm the writer of Newbreed Hobbs, Witchwood, and Star Wars The High Republic. This is Kevin Shinnick, writer of Star Wars Force Collector. I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic. This is Dominic Pace, who plays with the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Claudia Gray. I write Star Wars books. And you're listening. And you are listening. And you are listening. To Star Wars Comics and Canon, the Force is strong with this one. <laughs> Hello there, and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings episode 129. So my friends, this week I am tackling the finale of the Hidden Empire crossover event which is the finale of the Kira trilogy which involved War of the Bounty Hunters, Crimson Reign and of course Hidden Empire. But as well as that I'm also finishing off the Dr. Afra Spark Eternal story arc which finishes in issue 30 of Dr. Afra, but issue 31 seems to be generally the same story arc and is due to be released in the same trade paperback collection so I thought I'd tack that on as well just so you get a nice complete story because the 31st issue of dr afra is almost like an epilogue to issue 30 but before i delve into all of that just to clarify if you haven't tuned in before make sure you listen to episodes 121 122 123 and 127 because each of those episodes of styles comics and canon are the respective hidden empire episodes obviously episode 121 is hidden empire number one and you can figure it out from there Now if you haven't joined me before, hello there, just to clarify what I do in this show is I go through the plot details of each of these comics chronologically and then along the way I give you bonus information, I tell you about species or planets or events that are reoccurring that have shown up in other styles content, I normally tell you where you would have first seen them, maybe some extra information about them, and occasionally I'll confirm the Legends connections as well, but this show does focus on the canon primarily. Now, I will note going into these episodes that there's not actually that many connections to other content. I've added a couple of things in my notes, but this is primarily going to be me giving you the basic plot details of these three comics. Normally, there's a lot more additional information that I can give to you. But just because two of these comics are like finishing off big storylines, they're not really cramming more stuff in. They're kind of resolving questions and things. So do just want to clarify that if this is your first time going in. But with that all in mind, let's delve straight in. So, starting with Hidden Empire 5, it is written by Charles Saul, the artist is Stephen Cummings, the two incas is Victor Olizaba and Wayne Foucher, and the colour artist is Guru EFX. Issue 5 was released April 5th, 2023, and the trade paperback collection for Hidden Empire is due to be released July 4th, 2023. So, with that all in mind, here is The crawl. Dreaming of a freer galaxy, Lady Kira and her organisation, Crimson Dawn, have waged a secret war against the Empire. Kira acquired a means of prevailing against the Sith in the Formatic Age, an artifact that supposedly suspended an ancient Sith Lord in time. Kira tasked the Archivist with unleashing this Sith against the Emperor and activated her operatives across the galaxy to serve as a smokescreen. The Emperor retaliated against Crimson Dawn, forcing Kira to her stronghold, Dawnfall, where a Crimson Dawn fleet prepares to strike against the Empire. Sensing a disturbance in the Force, Emperor Palpatine and Darth Vader have made their way to the Amaxine Station to see the Formata cage for themselves and are greeted by an onslaught of Crimson Dawn soldiers. So, delving in, I will warn, there are going to be spoilers ahead, as there are for all episodes of Star Wars Comics and Canon when I tackle these specific comics, because I talk about the plot, so uh, here we go. It starts with Palpatine and Vader on a Maxine station cutting through Crimson Dawn agents with their lightsabers, Palpatine using Force lightning and things, and Palpatine notes that he has missed dealing with threats directly, because he usually sends a proxy, people like Vader and things, to enforce the Emperor's hand, so he likes doing it himself. Meanwhile, the Archivist has now activated the formata Cage, and Kira says that the Archivist can leave, as there are others on their way to help. Back to Palpatine and Vader, they are walking through a Maxine station after getting through another sloth of Crimson Dawn agents, and then Dr. Aphra, infected by the Spark Eternal, shows up. Palpatine tells Vader to deal with Aphra, and Palpatine walks away to the Formata cage, but he notes that he wants Vader to be there by his side when he does so. So the Spark, who's controlling Aphra's body, attacks Darth Vader with the Null Blade, which is meant to make him weak. Now there's some quite cool action here, there's some exchanging of blows between the Null Blade and the Lightsaber, so really great comic action if you want to read that, but Darth Vader manages to use a big force push right on Aphra's chest, and it seems to push the Spark Eternal out of Aphra. The Formata Cage then lets out this big energy blast, and Aphra manages to sort of scurry away and kind of calls out to Vader to tell him to go see what Palpy's up to. Vader knows that Aphra cannot hide and then heads towards the Formata Cage. Now, the Null Blade, this has been detailed in prior issues of Dr. Aphra in amidst this whole Spark Eternal arc, but essentially it's a Sith killing blade, in air quotes, because it contains Cortosis, which is a metal with a high energy absorbent rate. So it can withstand lightsaber blows, it can like either deflect or dissipate energy bolts to a degree, and in the past there's been use of it in armor and things like that, but It's quite a fragile material, so it's pretty hard to do. Now, it was first in Legends in the book I, Jedi by Michael Stackpole in 1998, but it was first in canon in A New Dawn, which is the prequel book to Rebels. It's written by John Jackson Miller, and it's featuring Kanan and Hera. I believe I tackled it on my Patreon, and I can't remember if I've released it on this main feed, so you may be able to find it. Cortosis was first seen in canon in Star Wars Uprising, and then it is also in the Thrawn novel Alliances, which is the second in the canon Thrawn trilogy, which I have recently read, and I have actually recorded my review of that for my Patreon, so if you fancy supporting the show and also getting loads of bonus content, including some extra Star Wars book reviews, including some Star Wars Legends book reviews, please consider going to patreon.com slash genuinechitchat. Details are in the description. The Thrawn episode will be out in the coming weeks. But back to the story... After Vader leaves Aphra, he then gets to Palpatine and the Formata Cage. It opens up and these small discs seem to pop out. I think they're the Ascendant Discs, like technology with that. Both Palpatine and Vader are confused. They feel nothing of the dark side or anything like that. And then it shows that the Archivist is on a ship outside of a Maxine station. She comes to Kira confirming what's going on and Kira says it's time to win. The Archivist then activates a button which starts off the Formata Cage which seemingly traps Palpatine and Vader locking them into place surrounding them by this purple energy. I have said in prior episodes what a Maxine Station is, but just to clarify, it's from the High Republic. It was in the Rise of Kylo Ren comics by Charles Saul, which is a mini-series that was amazing. It was actually the first episode of Star Wars Comics in Canon I ever did, but I did a redo version of it a few months ago, just because there's loads of updated information of connective tissue and etc. But a Maxine Station was primarily featured in the High Republic. It was in Into the Dark, which is a young adult novel written by Claudia Gray from Phase 1, Wave 1 of the High Republic, and it kind of shows how the Drenge got unleashed into the galaxy, or at least at the time of the High Republic, because it's shown that They'd actually been around for a lot longer than that. But yeah, they're in the High Republic a quite a large amount, so it's quite a nice little connection there. So back to the story, it shows that Kira wants the Formata Cage to trap Vader and Palpatine. It was all a trick. There was no Sith Lord hidden in the Formata Cage, but she wants to get them trapped. And then once they're trapped in the Formata Cage, she wants to throw that into the sun. While this is going on, the Knights of Ren then show up. Obviously, they had the conversation with Kira in the last issue, where she basically begged them to help. And... They were resistant to it but then hesitantly agreed. So they arrive and they see the Sith are in trouble. So Ren decides to help them out because he's thinking well is Kira gonna win or the Sith Lord's gonna magically get out of this? And if the Sith Lords do get out of this then they're gonna kill Kira and then come after the Knights of Ren because in issue 4 of Crimson Reign they actually went into Vader's castle, broke in and stole stuff. So they're gonna be next on the list once the Emperor is less busy with rebels and Crimson Dawn and all that stuff. So he thinks that the best way forward for self-preservation of the Knights of Ren is to save the Sith to prove they're not really enemies and to hopefully clear their name a little bit. So Ren orders the shippies on to fire at the Formata cage. It hits it and explodes and fires out in this massive energy wave. The energy wave seems to damage all nearby ships, mainly the Crimson Dawn ships that are nearby, and the Sith have now been freed again. Kira notes that she has failed, she is incredibly upset by this, distraught I would actually add, and all of the Crimson Dawn seem to just fall. Their ships are damaged due to that energy wave, but the Imperial Star Destroyer is relatively unscathed so can continue its assault, and so the battle is very quickly over. Palpatine takes whatever is left of the Formata Cage, it seems like an hourglass sort of thing, he seems to take it and just leave, and you see, right before leaving, that the Spark Eternal seems to hide in one of those discs that popped out of the Formata Cage. The Knights of Ren then approach Palpatine and Vader and confirm that they saved the Sith. Palpatine asks if it was for mercy, Ren confirms that it was, and Palpatine says then you are mistaken, and then proceeds to use force lightning to electrocute all of the Knights of Ren until they're collapsed and writhing on the floor. Palpatine says that they now serve him, so he will find some sort of use to them, and then he leaves and makes some sort of comment of them not really being worth his time, and they're just left there. Then we get to see what Cadelia is up to. So Cadelia is the heir to the Mourner's Whale and the Unbroken Clan Syndicate. Her entire story is all outlined in the Bounty Hunters set of comics, primarily in sort of the first volume or so. But she was given a data disc by Kira and was told to play it if she doesn't hear from Kira in a certain amount of time. You get this big monologue thing from Kira. There's a lot of dialogue in this because obviously it's the finale of quite a big event and things. So again, I would recommend picking this up. But I'm just giving you the broad strokes of the plot. But Kira leaves Cadelia three gifts knowledge, which Kira has already been imparting onto Cadelia, so she hopes that Cadelia has been listening. The next is the credits, which is whatever credits are left of Crimson Dawn after this entire assault and things, that is in an account which Cadelia will have access to. And then the final thing is a choice, and that choice is whether or not to be free, which is a choice that Kira never had. So Cadelia can either go forward and just live her own life and be completely away from all of this syndicates and the crime and all that sort of stuff, or she can delve straight in with all the knowledge and credits that Kira has given her, but she now has a choice, which 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 Kira never had. Then we get a sort of time jump that's almost like a epilogue, and what this is is showing that years later. Now, it goes back to in the prologues we saw for Hidden Empire, I think it's one to three. It might have even been in Crimson Rain, but it was essentially the archivist speaking out of some sort of hollow recording, and there were two hooded figures somewhere listening to her explain the story of Crimson Dawn. Now, the archivist's recording says that they believe that Kira failed because she never trusted anyone and was completely alone. And that was her biggest shortcoming and really what unraveled her entire plot. Then it shows who these two hooded figures are, and it shows it was Luke and Leia. I'm pretty sure many months ago I did predict it was Luke and Leia. I was pretty certain it was Luke. I hope I said it, and I hope someone has recently listened to those episodes and can clarify I did say that. Hopefully I did, and I'm not misremembering. But yeah, it's Luke and Leia. Now, both of them have got lightsabers, and both of them are in Jedi robes. So this shows that clearly it's not only after the events of Return of the Jedi, it's also after the events of the Aftermath trilogy, and it's probably set like a few years after the battle of jakku which is shown in the aftermath trilogy but it'd be interesting to find out where specifically it's set obviously it's just loosely where it's set we know that leia did have some degree of jedi training with luke we don't know how long they were together for we don't know how long they were training for i think leia was pretty good at the f- like using the force and was pretty switched on so many would argue she would make a better jedi than luke i know in legends that they do kind of explore that idea but in the canon, obviously, from The Rise of Skywalker, there's very little we actually have about it. So it's really cool having that little connection. But Luke and Leia do say that they didn't actually believe that Kira failed. Because of Kira and Crimson Dawn, they managed to beat the Empire thanks to her. Because they had those two spies. It's in one of the Star Wars issues. Um, I did tackle it a little while ago. It's Star Wars like 20-something, I think, or maybe 30-something. And it's basically just a couple of people who are living on the Death Star 2. And they escape and give the plans to the Rebellion. So they know that because of them who and they were crimson dawn agents as well so they say well because of them they knew about the death star 2 and they also say that because Palpatine and the empire were so busy dealing with this war of the bounty hunters and crimson dawn and all that stuff it gave the rebellion time to regroup and get back together stronger than before and that's what led them to be successful on the death star 2 attack basically the battle of endor and then the final pages of this comic shows that there's a cantina and they're watching the news. And the news confirms that there's a battle over Endor, the Death Star 2's been blown up, and that Palpatine has been killed. This goes across this entire cantina. Everyone is cheering and celebrating and are so happy about it all. But there's one figure who doesn't look so happy. And it zooms in on them and it is just one person sat at a booth looking sadly into their own drink. They have a hood up and it is Kira. So she survived all of this, but obviously she wanted to be the one to bring down the Sith, and she feels like she had failed. And that is where Hidden Empire number 5 and the Kira trilogy ends. Now I don't know what they're going to do with Kira, I hope they use her again. I know that Amelia Clark mentioned she would, wouldn't mind playing her again, so I know there's rumours of whether Solo 2 ever happen? Is there going to be like a series set after Solo that's going to be continuing what was happening with Crimson Dawn? i know there's a book coming out in october of 2023 written by ek johnston and it's going to be called crimson climb and it's going to be a lot more detail about kira and her role in crimson dawn and those sort of things so i suspect that means that we're not actually going to get a series about it i don't really know but you know emilia clark has said she'd be interested to be the character again so maybe she's going to pop up in one of the mando verse things maybe she's going to show up in one of the live action series i want to get back into the fight in some ways who knows maybe she'll just appear in a few comics going forward i'm not overly sure anything with Kira I'm happy with because she's such an interesting character both on and off screen so very thrilled about that and Crimson Climb is going to be one of the books that I will be reading and likely reviewing for this podcast because of its connections to this whole Hidden Empire War of the Bounty Hunters Crimson Rain sort of crossover events things so very excited about that I have also heard that Most Wanted is really good which is like a prequel to Solo so don't know maybe I have to delve into that first as well but I've got many months before worrying about that so let's move on to the next thing which is Dr. Aphra 30. So, Dr. Afra 30 is written by Alyssa Wong, the artist is Minkyu Jung, and the colour artist is Rachel Rosenberg. The issue was released April 12, 2023, and is due to be released in the trade paperback collection, Volume 6, Ascendant, on August 1st, 2023. And let's delve straight in, here is The Crawl. Afra and the Sparks' uneasy alliance continued through their journey to the Ascendant's temple on Pier 9. However, after reliving some of Miral's memories, the shared body of the Spark and Aphra discovered another ascendant artefact, one that the Spark used to silence Aphra. Meanwhile, Sarnastaros and her crew, along with Kofon Farris, have developed a plan involving the Ancient Formata Cage to capture the Spark and remove it from Aphra's body. It all leads to a Maxine station. So as this is somewhat the end of an arc it is obviously quite dialogue heavy and it's a really good read and there's some great action scenes in this so again I would hugely recommend picking up Hidden Empire 5 and Doctor Aphra 30 but with that in mind let's delve into the plot. So it starts off with a monologue of the Spark Eternal and they are basically saying that they are Mirals will embodied and the Spark will not fail and they think that as the Spark approaches Darth Vader with the Null Blade. So while that's kind of going on, we get to see what Sana and her crew are up to. So during this whole Crimson Dawn and Maxine battle that's going on between the Empire and Crimson Dawn, there's a ship flying between the firefights, and it is Ariel Yu who is piloting it. And he notes that Kira is a very compelling individual, and that the Empire are right to want to take her down, because it's self-preservation. It's not just intelligence, but she's a serious threat to the Empire. Now in this ship we see Just Lucky is there as well as Sarnostaros and Magna Tolvan too. We don't actually get to see the other characters in this frame but then the ship lands in a moment and then the people who exit is also Deta Yao, Ostasia Oka, Corin Afra, and Kofon Faris. So back to the Spark. The Spark is fighting Darth Vader and the Spark notes that they have killed many Sith before. The crew, after landing their ship, spot Darth Vader and the Spark fighting, but the Formata cage is sapping energy out of them, because obviously the Formata cage saps the life out of things. Fortunately, because of all the plant life on a Maxine station, quite a lot of the energy that's being pulled is actually being pulled from the plants, not the people, so they can get somewhat closer than they would be able to previously but the crew are slowly making their way towards the Formata Cage and more so towards Vader and Aphra. Vader hits Aphra in the chest using that force push that I mentioned in Hidden Empire 5 and the spark leaves her body. The Formata Cage shoots out one of those power waves, which obviously distracts Vader and then he kind of wanders off, and Ferris notes that the Formata Cage is clearly open. They then see Dr. Aphra scurry and run away, and then Triple Zero and BT-1 show up. They start shooting fire at Sana and her crew. And while that's all going on, the Spark goes a bit mental and is like yelling out and being really weird. And then flies back into Afra again while she's trying to resist it. Now this is a big action scene. So again, I'm trying to give you the brief plot details, but it's very, very fun to read this part. But essentially, Magna Tolvin has a plan to try and banish the Spark from Aphra, because when she connected with Aphra a few issues ago and their electro tattoos made them connect, Aphra transferred like some information to Magna. So Magna's got a plan to banish the Spark, and Kofon Farris has a plan for the Formata Cage. While this is happening, Triple Zero and BT-1 continue to attack. The crew do manage to hold them off, shooting at them, using Ascendant technology to lift them off the ground, those sorts of things, and Sanostaros and Magna Tolvin manage to get to Aphra. Afra tells them to stab her in the chest with the Null Blade to try and get the shard that's left in her of the Spark just so if that little shard of the Spark or the Ascendant Technology can be pulled out then the Spark can stop using Afra as an anchor and getting back into them. Sana volunteers to stab Afra in the chest, but then the null blade is not really near them. Sana calls out to Ko, who manages to use the Ascendant technology to shoot the sword across to Sana, and while that happens, just lucky like manages to shoot BD1, who collapses down, seemingly, air quotes, dead for a droid, but obviously droids can be repaired. Ko, Sana and Magna are then there surrounding Aphra and they recite the Ascendant Ritual, which is obviously something that Ko and Aphra were like deciphering when they were in the university together and we saw that in a lot of the flashbacks to the earlier parts of this 2020 run of Afro comics, so make sure you go back and listen to those if you aren't aware of what I'm talking about. But Ko von Varys is using the whip against the Spark Eternal while Sana Staros stabs Dr. Aphra in the chest and Magna is holding Aphra still. There is like an explosion that happens and then we see Aphra in a memory box as it's called. She's speaking to the Spark slash Meryl, and the Spark says that Meryl deserved better. Aphra agrees, gives this piece of Spark to what's left of Meryl, who is that Chadra fan who created the Ascendant and things and created the Spark Eternal, and then Aphra wakes up. She's surrounded by her friends. A Maxine station seems to have calmed down a little bit, but Aphra is crying. And also Aphra's first name is Chelly, and I may get that confused a little bit, because in the next issue, they call her Chelly quite a lot. So Chelly Aphra is her name yeah that's where dr Aphra 30 ends so it, it feels a bit abrupt but it's worth it that's why i want to include dr Afra 31 so uh let's just get straight into that so Afra 31 it's it's all made by the same people so Alyssa wong is the writer mink jung is the artist and rachel rosenberg is the color artist but it was released unsurprisingly about a month later than dr Afra 30 so it's released may 3rd 2023 and it is going to be included in that same trade paperback collection volume 6 the ascendant out august 1st 2023 so this picks up pretty much straight after issue 30, so just delving straight in. Afra is on an outer rim base on the planet called Heroron, and it's on Moretti base. I couldn't find a log of those places anywhere. I'm only kind of saying them out loud just in case they get referenced in future comics, and I can be like, ah, see, I mentioned them in the Afra 31 episode. But Afro basically looks at her chest, she's got like scars and things like that, but the bulk of the weird spark atonal stuff that was like surrounding her chest and arms and things like that, that seems to have all gone away. She has like a little flashback of the spark event and then decides to head into the other room and get this over with. In this other room, all of her friends slash the crew are there, so just lucky Sarnastaros, Magna Tolvin, Ariel Yu, Detta Yao, Astasia Oka, her dad Corin, and Kofon Faris. As soon as she sees everyone, she immediately starts questioning why everyone is still there and then just starts yelling at everyone. She yells at Magna, she yells at Just Lucky, she yells at Kofon Faris. They all kind of bite back and yell and things. But then Corin amidst this chaos simply says, little boop. And then everyone just calms down and is quiet, especially Aphra, because that's the name that he used to give to Aphra when she was a child. And he still uses it. Corin confirms to Chelly that her friends were worried about her and they risked their lives to save her. So she needs to be honest with them. Aphra then kind of grumpily says thank you to all of them and things, begrudgingly, but then she says that she didn't ask for any of their help. Magna confirms that yes, Aphra did not ask for any of their help, but Sana did. And because Sana helped, that's why they did it. That's the reason that Magna helped, because of Sana. And then Magna is obviously frustrated by the situation and storms off. Sana then says to Aphra that she owes Magna an apology, so Aphra goes after Magna. Then, just like he says to Sana, that clearly Aphra must love both Sana and also Magna. Sana notes that she planned this kind of interaction between Aphra and Magna because they're both emotionally constipated, so putting them in this high-pressure situation and putting them right near each other was really the only way the two of them would confront whatever is going on between them. So then we get a bit of this conversation, and as I said, there's lots of dialogue in this, a very clever, funny, snappy dialogue, but there's also quite a few emotional beats, and so it's just really worth picking up. So, Afra goes up to Magna and apologizes for leaving Magna when she did, which you can actually see in Dr. Afra number 39, but that is the 2016 run of Afra Comics, but I tackled that in episode 63 of Comics and Canon, so if you want a reminder, go back to that. Afra notes that the, she actually did that and abandoned Magna so she could save her. She actually confronted Vader, she betrayed Darth Vader, she helped save the rebellion because she didn't reveal that they were on Hoth, even though obviously Afra knew about it, and she all did it just for Magna. Now, there's lots and lots of dialogue between them, lots of emotional stuff, but it kind of ends up with Afra saying that she loved Magna, and Magna says, I know. Magna notes that she will always prioritize the rebellion over any love, and Afra will always prioritize herself. So the relationship can't really ever work because neither of them are willing to put the other person first. Back in one of the other rooms you've got the group of people all kind of chatting and things and Eustachia Okura speaks to Corin and mentions that she's going to return back to the Shadow University but notes that she would love to have a guest lecturer in to speak about the Ordu Aspectu which obviously is Corin's absolute obsession. While they're chatting we see Ko Von Farris Faris in the background kind of sneak off but Detta Yao catches them doing that and goes to grab them. Detta grabs Ko, drags them into another room and then immediately starts kissing them. Deta Yao then says that if you're ever going to do something that crazy again, you have to involve me and let's plan some sort of crazy thing together, an archaeological adventure. And then she then closes the door into the room they're in so they can have a bit of privacy. Just Lucky and Ariel Yu then walk past as the door closes. Just Lucky makes a comment about young love and then him and Ariel have a chat as they walk towards the ship. So they have a bit of back and forth, Just Lucky and Ariel, you know, talking and those sort of things. And then as Ariel is sort of climbing up the ramp to get onto the ship, Just Lucky gets down on one knee and proposes. But he's using one of the Cursed Rings of Val, which is actually from, I think, the uh, the first or the second arc. I think it's the first story arc of this 2020 run of Afrocomics. Ariel makes some sort of joke about Just Lucky proposing with a Cursed Ring, but... They then kiss, and before Ariel gives his answer, just like he closes his hand around the ring and just says for Ariel to think about it. We then go see what Sana's up to. She's just kind of chilling by herself, and then Aphra rocks up and starts speaking to her. Again, there's quite a lot of dialogue and quite a lot of interpersonal relationship stuff there, but in short, it's confirmed that Sana seemed to have some kind of thing with Magna Tolvin. It's not really delved into any more than that, but there's something between them. And Sana then confirms that she actually fell in love with Aphra, even though Aphra is just a terrible, terrible person. Afra and Sana then kiss. So there's a, lot, there's a lot of kissing in this episode. But Sana and Afra then kiss, but then Sana says that love isn't enough. Because Afra just cannot be counted on. She's a terrible person. She'll always put herself first. And Sana can't force Afra and can't be the one to make Afra become more selfless and to change. Afra has to do that themselves if they are even going to do that. Sana then confirms that Afra can't even say that she loves Sana back. Afra then just kind of stares blankly, and Sana's like, yeah, I thought so. So Sana walks off and then says for Aphra to go and find herself. And if Aphra does find herself, to then hit Sana up. And then the final sort of pages of this comic and this episode is on Numidian Prime. You've got Luke Skywalker who's looking for some sort of Jedi temple, it seems. And he returns to the camp that he has made. But R2 is on the floor, not responding. Luke approaches to him and starts touching R2 to see if he's okay, to see if he can wake him up. And then smoke comes out of some of R2's vents and Luke is then passed out. It then shows that Aphra is the one to have taken out R2 and somewhat booby-trapped him so he'd KO Luke. And then Aphra asks the unconscious Luke about going on a little adventure. And that is where it ends. So I'm quite excited about the next issue of Aphra because Luke and Aphra are on the cover. And the last time we got any interaction really between Aphra and Luke was I think in the Screaming Citadel crossover. Which is only issue like 7 or 8 of the first run of Doctor Aphra. And I tackled that ages ago on this podcast. It was one of my earlier episodes, actually. So go check that out. When I tackle the next volume of Afro Comics, I'll make sure I mention which episode Screaming Citadel is in. But in the podcast app that you're listening to, if you just type in Screaming Citadel, my episode on it should come up. But that, my friends, is the end of the Kira trilogy, the War of the Bounty Hunters, Crimson Reign, Hidden Empire crossover event, at least for the time being, because there's another one coming up, which is going to be the Dark Droids crossover event. But I don't think that issue releases till sort of August time, so I imagine I won't get my hands on it till late August, early September. So we've got a few months for me to catch up on everything else that's going on before we get into Dark Droids but what else is going on in my life well we have got an episode of Star Wars Rebels Reviewed recorded so obviously the first episode of that got released a little while ago but we have reviewed all of season 2 that's myself, Dave Horrocks and Math so I will be releasing that in the next couple of weeks I haven't explicitly figured out when but it will be released on the feed of Comics in Motion and it is going to be on my YouTube channel as well with full video so it's nearly two hours long it's an absolutely brilliant conversation and we're trying to get all of Star Wars Rebels watched before the Ahsoka series starts just because is all going to connect so if you're listening to this you plan on watching Ahsoka and you haven't watched Star Wars Rebels you've got like two to three months to do that Star Wars Rebels episodes are quite short so go ahead and do it Star Wars Rebels is amazing you will not regret it but yeah Star Wars Rebels reviewed that's coming out in the next couple of weeks but coming up on this show specifically I've got the review written and stuff for Star Wars The High Republic Cataclysm, but I'm actually going to tackle the miniseries The Blade before delving into that, because I looked up chronologically and it seems to be that The Blade is actually set in the Wave 1 of Phase 2 of The High Republic, whereas Cataclysm is actually Wave 2 Phase 2. So I'm going to do The Blade, and then probably the week after that I'll then do my Cataclysm review, and then from there I've got quite a few little things I can do. So I think I may tackle the first volume of Yoda, because there's the 10-issue series of Yoda that is out, and I think issue 10 is going to be released in the next couple months. So I want to delve into that and have a little break from the High Republic and a little break from the Hidden Empire and stuff. And then after that, I'm going to do what I often do in these things, which is instead of delving into the High Republic like every week, what I'm going to do is do alternate weeks. So I'll do some High Republic content. I think High Republic Adventures is due. Then i have also I'm getting halfway through the book quest for planet x so i'll do my review of that as well then obviously there's the second volume of the marvel comics then there'll also be the second volume of the High republic adventures comics plus there's the one-shot quest of the jedi and then obviously there's going to be the review of path of vengeance as well and then there's a few other little bits and pieces of phase two content that's floating around i will be delving into but that is going to do it for the High Republic, kind of for the time being then after that it's going to be delving into the remainder of star wars comics from the kind of runoff of hidden empire and that big event so there's a couple of story arcs in the main run of star wars comics there's a couple of arcs in the vader comics and for bounty hunters the inferno squad arc is starting off as well so they're going to be at least one or two episodes of the vader comics and of the star wars comics as well there's going to be probably one of the afro comics and one of the bounty hunters comics and then we'll kind of see depending on how dark droids kind of starts off and how much that's intertwining with everything else will depend on how i kind of structure those episodes i think dark droids one i heard it's like 70 pages or something for the one comic so that's probably going to be just its own thing and then after that I'll figure out all the kind of crossovers and stuff. But obviously still there's the Clone Wars Battle Tales by IDW Publishing that I keep threatening to do, plus there's actually the Dark Horse Hyperspace Stories, and I've now had the first four issues of that, so I think there's going to be either 10 or 12 of those, so I'll be delving into that. I've got the Jackson Hyperspace Special as well. I've also got both of the High Republic Adventures free comic book day things, finally, so I'm about two and a half years late on one of them, and the other one I couldn't get on free comic book day, but I managed to get my hands on one of those. So I imagine once I've kind of finished... The High Republic Phase 2 as a little placeholder. I'll then delve into the free comic book day stuff just so people are aware of what they are. But they're both just kind of deleted scenes almost from the High Republic adventures. So we'll see about that. But that is generally what you can expect from me going forward. Obviously, I mentioned Styles Rebels reviewed. I've also, next week, it's either going to be in the next couple of days or it's going to be next week. I've got an episode recorded with George Mann, the High Republic author who wrote Quest for the Hidden City, as well as the Battle of Jeddah, as well as loads of other great pieces of content. So I'm very, very excited to release that to the world. I've got video versions of that as well. So that's going to be on YouTube. It's going to be on genuine chit chat. It's probably going to be on this feed as well. But we shall see about that. Very, very excited to release that. I've got plans to speak to other Star Wars content creators, too, but I don't want to obviously fill up my entire feed of genuine chit chat purely with Star Wars content creators, although I kind of would, would like to do that, but uh, I want to keep my content, you know, fresh and not the same thing over and over again but if you want even more content from myself to do with Star Wars and things then you can subscribe to my Patreon I mentioned it earlier but patreon.com slash genuine chat, for as little as £1 a month you immediately get access to all 170 episodes of Afterthought about 10 of them are Star Wars Legends book reviews there's a couple of canon ones on there that aren't elsewhere there's also myself and Megan reviewing each of the Star Wars films and then loads of it is just me and Megan reviewing TV shows live performances talking about trips we've been on and stuff we recently went to Somerset and recorded like a 40 minute conversation about how that was so lots of great behind the scenes stuff instant access to just everything i've released on that bonus feed and also it's only one pound a month and it helps support the show so anyone who's listening to that and is willing to do that it would mean the absolute world to me because all the money i get from patreon i just funnel it straight back into the show and the next thing i'm saving up for is actually going to be an upgrade on my webcam so my video versions of conversations will be better if you don't want to subscribe to something monthly you can still give me some money if you desire you can donate to my coffee ko-fi so if you go to ko-fi.com slash genuine chits chat you can give a little as little as a pound as a one-off payment or you can give a payment up to whatever you want really Uh, but i've put a little note on there which however much you give i'll then give you some afterthoughts episodes so you'll still get bonus content if you do give me anything financially i don't want anyone feeling shortchanged but if you do have any spare money just lying around that you're willing to give me or if you really appreciate my show and you want to give me a token of appreciation without having to sign up to like a monthly subscription thing go to coffee and you can do that and then i will send you some afterthoughts episodes as well and if you're listening to this and you just want to hear all my star wars legends book reviews you can ask for those and i can send them to you if you give me something on coffee that would be hugely appreciated if you want to support the show but you don't want to support financially or you can't for any reason there's still loads of other ways you can do so you can obviously subscribe here you can subscribe on youtube you can follow me on social media at genuine Chit chat on instagram twitter and on facebook you can share the show with your friends or on your social media following and things you can tell people in real life about it or you can leave reviews and ratings on spotify apple podcasts good pods all those sorts of things So any way that you support the show, it's hugely appreciated. The fact that you're listening all the way to the very end here is massively appreciated from me. So just thank you so much for listening. As always, my friends, I'll talk to you next week with probably The Blade, High Republic Comics, and then probably after that in the Cataclysm book review. But we shall see. Thank you so much for your support as always. I'll speak to you very soon. And of course, may the Force be with you. The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. You have just experienced host, creator, everything elseer of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.